Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The Fan. It's time to take a dip in the pool of stupid. This is Common Man and T-Bone. First of all, you're not just buying a $75 pie. You're paying for an airline ticket for this pie. True enough. I forgot. All the planes you get on now, it's like there's two people with masks and gloves on and just pies. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, sir. You're going to have to stop smoking. And it's just a key lime pie sitting there like, what? You don't know what I've seen. Shut up. I'm going to see T-Bone. Featuring Panama Ted, Leanna Ray on traffic. You know I hate you guys, right? And all the weird sounds the internet has ever made. Just want to remind everybody that it's Columbus Day. He's the only one I've ever met that can handle my junk. Stuff flaps all over the place. Does that make any sense to you? This is Common Man and T-Bone. <laughs> Welcome in. Happy weekend to you. No Common Man for this entire week, but I am T-Bone and joining me is Panama Ted. Hey, hey, how you doing, man? I am here, absolutely. I had to. I came in a couple days this week. I know, yeah. man was not here, but I came in like three days this week. That's right. You had three or four days. Uh, we had Timmy Hall filling in for quite a bit of the week, and then Dave Biddle filled in the last part of the week. So, yeah, it was a fun week of shows, a little different week of shows, and certainly a lot of things going on in the sports world this week that uh, I wouldn't say were anticipated, but... Yeah, so, Ted, what do we have coming up on the show today? Well, yeah, you mentioned, uh, I mean, right in the middle of the uh, show, I think it was on Wednesday, they, we had the Milwaukee Bucks. They decided not to play in one of their playoff games, and that kind of set the uh, you know sports world on fire there about what was going on there in the NBA bubble. So we'll chat about that and you know, get your guys' instant reaction to that. Also, the uh, Big Ten parents, they're still seeking answers from the Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, who hasn't handled things very well. And, of course, uh, your Browns, they did not have a very good week with the injuries. Uh, some bad things happening up there, too, especially the secondary guys, and we'll talk That's about right. that. We're going to score 50 points a week, and we're just going to still find a way to win, <laughs> like, 50 to 48. We're going to just dominate. It'll be fine. Yes. Now, Ted, I'm not worried at all. I don't want you to think that sounds like worrying, because I get accused of being negative about my Brownies, oh. and I'm I'm happy. Let's go. Sorry. Half our defense is on the IR, but that's... We'll be all right. We'll find a way. I just want to watch football. That's real. I just please let my team play a game before everyone gets injured. That's all I want. Yeah. All right. All You're right. positive bone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be trying to be positive <laughs> bone. It's 2020, man. We got to do something like that. All right. Uh, you're going to hear the best of whatever we did this week. So thanks for listening. And Common Man will be back on Monday. Take it away, me. Common Man and T-Bone Weekend. This is a story that will not go away. And I'm not surprised that it won't go away. But it's a story that I think would have been different had the person in charge of many of the details of the story had a little bit more understanding of what they were stepping into. Kevin Warren, as the Big Ten commissioner, he has been on the job less than a year. I don't want to say that I'm, I've defended him necessarily, but I do feel like to some degree some of the arguments people put out there about this guy are not fair. Right. I think there are some arguments that get put out there with Kevin Warren about, well, his son is playing in the SEC because his son, 
uh, plays football, I believe, for Mississippi State, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but That's his correct. son is his son is playing football. And my argument to that has been, my kids. It's tough for me to tell my ten year old what to do. What do you you think Kevin Warren is able to for sure? Tell his adult son you can or cannot play football. Even if, even if he's okay with him playing football, that's kind of beside the point. Like you're running the Big Ten conference. It is a little different than running your own house. There are things you might do personally that you may not do professionally, choices you might make, things of that nature. But also sometimes that argument frustrates me because I think I don't know that Kevin Warren even wants his kid to play football, but his son is a grown ass man. What's he supposed to do? Like ground him? You can't. He, he lives states away right. from where Kevin Warren yeah, does. He does There's not, not much play he can do to control that. Yeah, right. He, he, he can't control that. Yeah, but there are plenty of things Kevin Warren has done wrong, and I'm not defending those things. And for example, this if this is true, and it's coming from Teddy Greenstein, one of the best reporters in the Big Ten. Paul Feinbaum had him on his show down south on Friday, and he says Teddy Greenstein does. Longtime Big Ten writer says that he talked with Kevin Warren about, you know, the issues going on in the Big Ten and about canceling the season. He says Kevin Warren told him he did not think the decision to postpone football would be scrutinized as much as it has been. He, uh, this is Teddy Greenstein's quote said it was completely mishandled. It was botched. Kevin and I talked the other day and he agreed. <laughs> right. But. <laughs> In what world did you think canceling the football season is that for the most, first time in a hundred plus years? Feel better now? How did you not? But but how did you not anticipate people are going to want answers? People are going to be frustrated. People are going to lash out and and say, "I demand to know why you're doing this." You're making a decision that is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Let alone all the people who are invested in this from a personal level, families of players fans of players and teams, alumni, everything. And you're saying, well, I didn't know. I thought we would just cancel the season on Friday, and by Monday we'd have moved on to something else and be looking at volleyball or basketball or something. I didn't know we'd be still talking football. How did you not know that, Kevin Warren? Why? And, and if you did, why would you say this to a reporter? Why would you tell them that? I I have no idea. This is this is part of the problem, right? It's... It's about spin control. That's what it is. I mean, you know you're going to have to make an unpopular decision. There is a, there's got to be a reason though, besides just the, and, and I do think that the football is obviously more, it's, it's bigger. The fans are more passionate about it from town to town in Big Ten country as opposed to Pac-12 country. That doesn't mean that college football is non-existent out there because it is. They're on national TV. You got a few proud programs out there with Oregon and USC and some of the other ones, but it's, it's bigger school to school with the fan bases here in the Big Ten, no doubt. But there's, there's a, had to be a reason on top of that why Kevin Warren is getting so vilified more so than Larry Scott out there. And it's because of comments like that, Bone. You're, we're just, we're just asking you to understand, right? Like, and how can you, as a commissioner, not understand that by taking football away, everyone who is a part of it is going to be pretty upset? I mean, how, how can anyone not understand that, right? It doesn't matter what you're taking away. Anything that has suffered during the pandemic, the least we could do as people, right, is be a little bit sensitive to that fact. Because lives are changing. 
uh, things are changing, and that's, the, and that's the one thing. It might not affect your life long term to not have college football, it, and it also might. You know, we don't. It remains to be seen in a lot of different right. areas. It also might, but there's a lot of families in the short term that have had things affected by the pandemic that do really affect your life. But we just, in all of the areas, just a little bit more sensitivity and understanding to what people are losing. You know, well, I don't, and I don't understand from Kevin Warren's perspective. How would anyone think that less information on this situation is a good thing? You know, like I'm saying, if Kevin Warren's number one objective as the Big Ten commissioner was to when when a tough decision is made, he he can't necessarily control that. I know there are stories out there saying like, oh, he's making all these decisions himself. There's no way like he, for example, represented the athletic directors in their conversations with the school presidents. Well, all the athletic directors told him, we don't want to cancel. We think we can play. We think we can do this. So he brings that to the presidents and say, all the athletic directors say they think they can do this. Now the presidents have to make their decision based on that, but they still make that decision. So Kevin Warren is the face of this. It's not totally up to him. But what is up to him is when he is the face of it to come out and say, all right, Here's the info that this was all based on. Right. Here are what these guys were presented with. And you have to understand that this is why this decision was made. It didn't come lightly. I hate this decision. I hate that it's what we have to do. But I do think it's right. And here again is just reams and reams of medical data. These are the things that we were told. This is the information we received. Here are some of the players whose lives have been affected by some of this disease and some of the after effects. That's why we're making this decision. He's it, almost. You're never going to oh, get sorry. everyone on board. I'm just going to say you're never going to get everybody on board with that. But you would get more people to go, all right, I hate it, but I understand it. Last thing real quick. It's almost like he's taking a personal approach to making a big-time decision. You know, like if you didn't get a house that you were pouring a lot of resources and a lot of time and a lot of money into trying to, like, buy a house, like you and the family, and you don't get it. And it's a personal thing. You don't have to explain that to anyone. You probably reach a point where... You don't want to talk about it anymore, right? Because it was a difficult thing happened. You got some bad news. It didn't work out. And I don't want to discuss it anymore. You know, zip my lips. I'm done talking about it. You know what? You don't have to because that doesn't dictate anybody else's lives. But a small select group of people, you, your wife, maybe your son, your daughter, and that is the end. This, though, this is a bad decision. This is a uh, tricky decision that you kind of have to discuss because it affects thousands, millions. Like when you group the fans into it too who you know it kind of entertains them but it's it's not maybe something they have to have but they want but it's a big big part of people's lives you have to be ready to discuss it and divulge things to say you didn't expect it to be scrutinized i mean that's just I, that that almost sounds unreal I, that's I, almost <laughs> offensive that, how would you not how would you not think people are going to at least have questions about this it's so weird common man and t-bone weekend also tough to process is the AP Top 25 poll. The preseason poll came out today, and it was so far off my radar. It kind of caught me by surprise uh, because I just not in a, I'm not in a, I'm not in a mindset to look for it, right? Because you know you're not going to have a season. I I obviously am interested to watch college football if and whatever that level that we get that, but uh, the Buckeyes not being in it gives me much less interest in college football this year. Uh, but here you're. Top five, you've got Clemson, you got Ohio State voted number two with a big asterisk next to it, uh, next to the name. Bama's three, Georgia floor, Oklahoma five. Rest of your top ten is LSU, Penn State at seven with an asterisk, uh, Florida, Oregon at nine with an asterisk, and Notre Dame rounding out the top ten. Other Big Ten teams, Wisconsin gets a 12 vote, Michigan gets a 16 vote, 
Minnesota gets a 19 vote. Uh, Cincinnati, an Ohio team, get in at 20, so that's great. And Iowa rounding it out. Chops will be happy at 24. So High. Great. Yeah. <laughs> that's He's very excited about his team not getting to be in the top 20. Uh, at least we were highly thought of. Uh. <laughs> Well, 24th, Chops, calm down. I don't know if that's highly thought <laughs> that's of or just thought of. Uh, yeah, that's good it for is. us. Okay, fine. Uh, so the reality is this. I don't think this season is going to get played because not, not, not fully. They will play some, they will play games this season. I think they will get through a few weeks, but I would be shocked if the SEC and ACC and Big 12 can get through an entire season. Uh, I don't think that's likely. Doesn't mean it was the right call by the Big Ten to shut everything down this early, but I am, I am struggling to understand how they can play this season without full participation from the Power Five conferences. So they can play it if they want to. They can crown some fake national championship if they want to, but it's not going to count. I mean, I'm not counting it. I'm not looking at that as a real national champion if the teams aren't really there. No, neither am I. It's it's the year for fun. It's a season for fun. And playing sports is fun. I would rather do it and have things be different and the record books be a little bit smudged or written over and with pencil and erased a time or two, I would rather it be that way and you get to have some competition in, even with teams and key players dropping like flies here and there than have it not at all. But this is what it is. I agree with you. You can't, you can't have a college football season the way that we've been operating and then leave out two major conferences. And we were just going over and... In the last segment, uh, you know, some of those programs like Ohio State, our own, who is just lives in the top 25, lives in the top five, basically. So to have a key character like that out that can't, you know, have a, a say in this fight, it just, it's, it's the ass. I can't ever say that word correctly. It's what you ever have those words. I can't say asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Yeah. Ast- is it asterisk, yeah. ISK or trisk? It it's asterisk. asterisk. Yeah, there will yep, be a it. big asterisk by this one, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big asterisk. We're going to have lots <laughs> big of that. Big asterisk. Uh, it's just, it's so heartbreaking <laughs> to see the rankings and then, you know, not be able to have a Big Ten season, not be able to have Pac-12 season for what that's worth. But, yeah, it, it's frustrating. But there you go. AP Top 25, we talked about it. Now let's just pretend like it never happened again. Let's <laughs> Good. Just, let's ignore it for the rest of the year. Not dumb enough yet? Oh no! Good news! Good news! More common man and T-bone weekends coming up next. The fan, Ohio sports destination. Urban Meyer, he knows that uh, if he were the head coach for Ohio State, he'd be devastated about the cancellation of Big Ten fall football. Uh, he was talking to the dispatch, and he said, "I wouldn't handle it well." Uh, he then said, "I feel for those players. I'm heartbroken. I've talked to so many of those players because I know their families so well. You're talking six hours a day put into this thing, then all of a sudden it's gone." We talked about how the coaches put in obviously way more time. There was this quote he had about Ryan Day, where he said he was asked about how he's how he thinks Ryan Day is doing. And he said, "Well, I talk to him every day," and he said, "quote He's not doing well," which I haven't really thought about that that much because all the consideration has been given to, and rightfully so, these players, they work hard. They're not, they're not paid to do this. This is something they love to do. Some of them are hoping to go to the NFL based on what they can do on the field. But Ryan Day, who is paid for what he does and makes a hell of a lot of money doing it, this is still something that I know for him. It's for any football coach. You don't just do it for the money. You do it because you are passionate about winning football games. You are passionate about being successful with your football team and because you care about the players that you bring in. 
And I, I think that's a fascinating aspect of this yeah. that is a tough consideration that, don't get me wrong, it's not like Ryan Day can't handle that. It's not like all the, everyone in America is dealing with this to some degree or another. That's just not an angle of it that I've really considered. I, I hadn't either, Bone, because I don't want to... I'm not... I'm not the guy that like makes everything about money, but I mean, when you do look at if, if you're if you are commiserating, let's say for someone that's losing a job, when you get to the top of a profession uh, such as coaching, you're likely going to be taken care of because you've earned that and you've got some great job experience. So when you lose it, you don't spend a whole lot of time feeling sorry for a coach that loses a job because I guess the. The thought is they're going to get picked up somewhere else. Their resume will speak for itself, and they'll get a, a chance to keep going. But I've, I've heard this in the last couple of weeks about Ryan Day, and I think that just is a testament to the type of guy he is and the type of coach that he is that he cares this much. Like this is a, it's not like a one day day ruiner type of piece of news to get. You know, you heard it pretty raw emotion from from Coach Day for that first Zoom. A teleconference about how much he was looking forward reasonably so right but just to see his face and I was on that call that day just watching it and you know hearing him to know that you know the the way they lost to Clemson and to have the nucleus of that team coming back and to be just ready to go you know number two preseason ranked team in America right there for the taking again ready to go the only game I've lost so far as an Ohio State coach and the ball just we shot ourselves in the foot probably a couple times the ball bounced the wrong way a number of times we should have had those guys and we're ready to do it this time and then to have that ripped away from you I think he really that's that's truth. He is having a hard, difficult time with this news, and it's totally understandable. Yeah, I know, and I I think of that though. It, to put that in perspective, as much as and I do feel for the players, I think it it sucks. I mean, it sucks for anyone who was wanting to watch this season too. There's a lot of fans who are mad about this simply because it's ruining what a lot of us were looking forward to, right? In the fall on Saturdays, it's a tradition that we're all used to. But when you step back and think about it, about what's been lost, I mean. Yes, Ohio State lost a tremendous opportunity, and it sucks. It's going to suck more if other schools get to keep having their opportunity, which is a whole other story that we can talk about at some other point. Yeah. But, but, you know, you know, Tim, you're obviously a huge college basketball fan, and one of the schools that I think suffered probably the greatest, one of the toughest blows in all of this past 2020 was UD basketball. Dayton had a team that theoretically could have been a Final Four team. They're like, oh man! Th- this was such a wide open year in college basketball, and they had a national player of the year. They had a they had a team that was ready to go that could have made that run. And no offense to UD basketball, I'm not trying to be disparaging. No, I, you don't no, have these right. runs every other year like Ohio State does in football. You don't have these opportunities, and they didn't get anything out. Of, there was no like, well, we'll play it in June or we'll play it in September. It's just done. It like that. That season, all that you were working towards, you get to watch your team play in the season, but we all know in college basketball, it's what it comes down to is the tournament. And that got vaporized. And I'm, I guess my point here is to say, this sucks. <laughs> like, this all sucks. And I think as we grasp that it sucks, maybe some of the people who are so freaked out about college football season being canceled, it's like, yeah, this is a big deal. It was probably a big deal for those UD basketball guys, too. It was probably oh, a big man. deal for a lot of teams around the country. 
No, Bone, great team to bring up. I mean, we talked a lot about them when this was fresh, and, you know, me being such a huge fan, yeah, all over the Dayton Flyers. We had, uh, we had BB Lander's brother, Trey Landers, was a big yeah, player for them, right. and we had him on our podcast, Mad About Hoops, early on. And yeah, it's, it's devastation. Even me being an Ohio State fan and wanting to see more competition with the in-state schools, I absolutely would have been pulling for Dayton every step of the way outside of a meeting with Ohio State. I also would have made, tried to make sure that matchup happens if I'm on the selection committee, like, uh, to get to the Sweet 16, if it worked out that way with the seedings. But, Obi Toppin, man, like, when are they going to get a diamond in the rough like that to just develop that late in the game? He, he switched high schools. He shot up like a, he just grew like a weed in his last couple years of high school. I think it was maybe like one other Big East school that was in the running for him. It might have been Rhode Island or a, a similar type school. And he picks Dayton and he takes off and he stays a few years to where he can have a season like this. You're right. It might be 25 years before Dayton basketball is able to get a player like that again that could lead them to this type of season. It's I mean, rough. he might be a top five player in the draft. He will be. The NBA he draft. will be. Yeah, I mean, he's he's up there with you know Wiseman and and some of the others that are being mentioned. He'll be third but, or fourth. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's that good, and that's what I'm. That's what I guess I'm getting to is I keep hearing this like, well, no, you don't understand how much these players are suffering. And it's like, no, 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 I do. I mean, I I don't because I'm not living their life, but I watched all of college basketball just vaporize right before our face. Like we, they lost their entire season. Basically, they lost their conference tournament and the NCAA tournament. You want to talk about guys who build an opportunity for themselves? You think Steph Curry would have been a top ten pick without the NCAA oh, tournament? No chance. No, I mean, and not that he wasn't a great player, but people didn't know about him coming out of Davison until he was no. playing in the tournament. He had a great tournament that led to that. And there's many guys who missed out on that opportunity. Sometimes, unfortunately, that's how life goes. I do think the difference is with the Big Ten, you don't have all of college football doing it. You have part of college football doing it. And that's what makes it a really tough pill to swallow. And that's why it's extraordinarily frustrating. Totally. More stupidity awaits you. Well, that's all the information I need. Common Man and T-Bone Weekend returns on the other side of the break. The Fan, Ohio Sports, Destin Go. So this is the, the story today is that group of Big Ten parents have unified and written a letter uh, to the Big Ten to say that they want to have more answers from Kevin Warren. Uh, this is from the uh, the parents of Ohio State football players, which I think it should be noted, this FPAOS family unit, this FBAOS underscore board on Twitter if you want to follow them, that is the, the Family Parents Association of Ohio State. They were a thing before all this. This was not something that just came up because of the situation that has just occurred where the football season got canceled and the parents are not happy about it. This has been around. But they joined with 11 of the 14 parent groups that are in the Big Ten and said, here's a letter that we want to send to Kevin Warren. And in this letter, if you go read it, it's it's very... I mean, it's, it's very reasonable. The concerns are, why were they not told? What's happening? Why do we not have the info? And how do you plan to keep parents in the loop going forward about decisions that are being made about their kids? You know, they've sent these kids to these schools. They would like to feel like they've got some say in what's happening. I don't know if they'll ever get that, but I do think it's not an unreasonable request to say, if you're going to cancel the football season, you should give us some reasons why. And that's what they're asking for here. Yeah, and if you look at another part, Beam, 
Uh, did I just call you Beam? I certainly <laughs> That's right. did. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Bone and Beam, it's all right. It's fine. Bone and Beam United. Check out the podcast. Those boys talk soccer mm. and they do a good job. Thank you. No, part, part of what they were saying, Bone, is that uh, we understand that this is an unprecedented time. It's a pandemic and... We know it requires some careful consideration. There's a quote in here that says, That said, it's extremely frustrating that the Big Ten has failed to properly communicate in a transparent manner. Our intention at this point is to provide a pathway forward to a successful 2020 Big Ten football season. And, you know, I, th- there was also another line in there where they, one of the parents says, like, we kind of get it. We understand that. It's lost. Like, we can't salvage the fall season, but what we can do is hope to get some answers and some clarity as to what's going to go on with the winter slash spring season. So I think they understand now that we might be at a wash for fall football, as much as that sucks, but they want to do whatever they can so they can fix that so we don't have the same closed-door process going forward whenever whenever the time comes that we're going to play, whether it's this spring or next summer. Hopefully we can at least feel a little bit more excited like we're going going to have our next fall season because even if we see a schedule and we get ready for it do not even deny how nervous you're going to be until we actually start checking off games on a real season because we've now seen it we've seen colorful schedules and dates and graphics and lots of exciting things thrown out on social media and then ripped away only a week later so hopefully we get past that Yeah, I would hope so, too. I think this brings up another good thing to consider, which is, like I said, this parents group has been around before the, the, you know, situation that we've just gone through with the Big Ten canceling the football season. I think it is time for the conference and really for college football and college basketball. I do think the players should have a voice. I think it's odd that the parents are the ones leading the charge on this, but I get it. The parents have a lot more. The parents have a lot more of a of an understanding as an adult of how things go, but the players have said for years we would like to have a voice in various things. Like players union was a thing that Northwestern players tried to do, and that all got shot down. But I don't think it's a wrong instance to say. I think these parents have finally come to the realization, and maybe more and more college players will do this too, that it is important to have a voice in this because. For years, college football decisions and college sports decisions have been made without any input from you because you're not an employee. You're not a stakeholder in that way. You're not someone who's a seat at a table. And I think that's something that's been kind of brushed under the rug here that needs to be talked about. Whatever happens with the football season, whether SEC, ACC play these games or not, all the players in college football do need to have some representation at the table when there are decisions made about not just whether or not they're going to play, but... What about name, image, and license, which I know is now coming and we're going to do that, but how long did that take? How long did it take to get, hey, yeah, you can get a stipend that covers the things that college doesn't pay for and your scholarship doesn't pay for? How long did that take? These are the things that players do need a voice in, and unfortunately, because you only have players in a situation for four or five years at the most, most of them don't have time. By the time they realize they should be at the table talking about this, they're out. And and I think it's it's good for the parents totally. to kind of have this conversation, and hopefully that will spur on the Big Ten to have to listen more to what their players are saying through the families, because it is not right that you recruit these families, you tell these parents that they are important in this and that they have a seat at the table and that 
you know, the coaches all sit in the living rooms and tell the parents how much they matter. And then when it comes time to make a big decision like this, players' voices aren't heard, parents' voices aren't heard. I do agree with that sentiment, even if I didn't think this would change anything. I think it's good to keep this going, and I hope this hashtag fight movement doesn't just end when we play football again. I hope it continues beyond all that. Common Man and T-Bone Weekend. You may have to just do the whole show by yourself, Tim, because I... at the. <laughs> I'm at a point now where I may, just, I may just have to take the rest of the afternoon off because I just saw this uh, before we went to the break, and it's been floating around on Twitter for the last, I don't know, half hour or so. But uh, Grant, Grant Delpit, Delpit for uh, the Browns. Just sorry, went, man. Just got hurt, and uh, they said when he went down in practice, it was non-contract. He was just backpedaling through a drill and went down in a heap of pain, grabbed his ankle, back of his ankle they are testing him for a possible achilles injury that you know what that is so weird but maybe not at the same time because i was reading something in the detroit free press last week you saw that jay sean cornell went down right the our buckeye rookie yeah, right. and that sucked because if you're talking about guys that you would least want to see miss their rookie season Probably a guy that just snuck into the end of the draft, right? Like, it's nice that he did get a contract, and I think he made, I think he's got like three point something million guaranteed, which is nice starting off with a serious injury like that. But some doctors were pointing to the lack of a regular offseason being a contributing factor to some of these non contact injuries, especially the Achilles type of injury. So that's, yeah. that's unfortunate to keep seeing here. It is, and if you are uh, not aware of this with the Browns, injuries have been the name of the game for the Browns so far through training camp. Uh, here's what they've got through, I believe, I don't even think we're two double-digit practices yet. I think we're under 10 practices. You had Nick Chubb get a concussion when he got you know horse-collared by Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson had a season-ending knee injury, uh, their linebacker, one of their linebackers. Uh, def- defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi had a groin injury that he's dealing with. David Njoku has a wrist injury. J.C. Treader, the new, or not new center, but their center has a knee right. injury. Kevin Johnson, their corner, one of the guys they were going to count on this year, has a lacerated liver. And so he's presumed to be out for a decent amount of time. I don't know. Lacerated liver sounds pretty bad to me. And then Grant Delpit now likely out your safety that you just drafted now likely out with an Achilles. So rookie safety, you know, that's not necessarily a recipe for success all the time because it takes a while to learn how to play that position. But yikes, that is uh, that's not. I, like I said, Tim, you may just have to do the rest of the show because I'm just <laughs> no a Browns but, fan. I was very excited for like the resurgence of Baker. They've added offensive weapons. I feel like with new head coach Kevin Stefanski being there, the offense he's going to run. This is going to be a better situation. And then I look over at the defense and realize, oh, no, there were holes anyway, and now there are more holes because of injuries, potentially not great. Not here, a great feeling. Here was the little thing that, that I was reading. It says, in 2011, 10 players suffered ruptured Achilles tendons in the first 12 days of post-lockout practice, including five rookies. That according oh. to the Journal of Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy. Because that was, I guess, the last time that we had the closest thing to this year as far as lack of an offseason, uh, no uh, OTA programs, or at least you know that few, where guys were working out together in team capacities, right? And Matt Patricia said, I'm always trying to figure out is there a way that we could have been safer? I think, unfortunately, this was just one of those things that happened in that particular case. It just looked like he stepped, and 
there was an injury because of that. <laughs> yeah, he just says he stepped. He said you certainly wonder if maybe a little bit more off season, a little bit more training, a little bit more of any of these things. You always go through that in your head and just trying to make sure the players are as safe as possible. But yeah, he said he just kind of stepped. You kind of thought he was about to say stepped on someone's foot. No, just stepped. Like that's that's what it was, and that's what they're saying. Uh, the cabbage was saying Delpit was on his stomach, just pounding yeah. at the turf. I hate those images when you know that an athlete is seriously hurt. He knows that he's seriously hurt, and it's just it's kind of alarming, right? When you you're witnessing that someone in the first ten seconds of what will now be maybe a life changer, you don't know. Yeah, and you know, I know. It's, it's tough so to kind of process, you know. Yeah, it is. Not dumb enough yet? Oh, no. Good news. Good news. More Common Man and T-Bone weekends coming up next. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination Show. So, Tim, the NHL has had quite a bit of success, as has the NBA, with their bubble way of playing, where they've put all the players in secluded areas, make sure they don't have any access to the outside world, and they play contact sports, and it has mostly gone swimmingly. They've not had a ton of tests that have come back positive. I think, in fact, the NHL released a statement today saying they've had over 4,000 tests they did in the last cycle and had zero positive tests. So Yeah, and on top of that, the number of tests administered to date, 24,542. And this is also coming from the state media, you know, their version of it, but <laughs> right. they, all of them have come back negative. Until I see someone, a news reporter, come out and find positives, I guess you got to take that information, right? Well, Canada yeah, it's has the best done inf- well with it. Best info we've had, right. Yeah, so they're in a country that's had a much better success rate than the U.S. has had, and they're sure. not going out in that country. They're they're being they're you know, kind of locked down, right? They're in a bubble. So that has led to some questions about what's going to happen when they try to start the season back up. December 1st is the tentative date right now for the NHL yep. to resume next season. Uh, obviously, later than they would like to, but that's going to be the necessity when you're playing this, you know, current structure well into September to finish off this season. But uh, John Shannon uh, tweeted this out, who covers the NHL, said, hearing the NHL and the Players Association have had preliminary talks about next season. One proposal, now that that's a big, you know, keep an eye on that one proposal. It's not the only proposal. It's not the most popular one. But one proposal is to create four bubble cities and rotate all 31 teams in those venues in eight-game increments. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Instead yeah. of present, wow. there's, no, there's no indication if all cities would be in Canada, but that makes the most sense. Now, there's a few reasons why that would seem to make sense, right? Number one is that, yeah, they they seem to have the virus handled a little bit better in Canada than we do. But the other thing is, in Canada, you don't have to travel back into the United States and then back into Canada and then back into the United States, constantly crossing a border, constantly mm-hmm. dealing with all of that. And who knows if half your teams are in Canada and half are in the U.S. on a given night because they're playing road games and home games and all that. And then suddenly Canada's government says, hey, actually, uh, it's gotten worse in the U.S. We're not letting anybody from the U.S. into Canada without a two-week quarantine. That would seem to put a big wrench in the plans of the NHL, right? I mean, that's part of the consideration I'm sure they're thinking about here. So well, that you, that you, that's interesting. You got to think outside the box, right? I mean, this is the time where you're getting paid now if you're in one of these upper management positions in in one of the major sports leagues, you're getting paid to put that brain to work and think about things that are feasible for everybody. 
I would even imagine, Bone, the only reason that they wouldn't be talking about just one or two bubbles is because you got to play a well-rounded schedule, right? That would be the yeah. the only reason for it, if I'm missing something, or else why wouldn't you just stick to the two bubbles and have it separated by conference? Maybe you could, Maybe you could slim that down to just two bubbles and you won't play Western Conference teams for one regular season. You know, it's not something that we'll have to stick to going forward, but you can still, you know, build a playoff just by taking on your own conference. It would be more traditional in that sense. But, yeah. you know, you want to get back to things being at nationwide and we want to get back to, you know, torts getting fined 25 grand for a regular press conference <laughs> when the room is full of media yeah. members in person. But we're we're not there yet. So we have to keep exploring these options. Yeah, and he did get to find the twenty five thousand for that end of the series press conference where he just said, "I'm not going to describe, I'm not going to answer any questions," and then he just walked away. So, yeah, I can't blame him for being frustrated, but yeah, that's what happens when you do that. That's uh, what you get. Yep. I miss going to Nationwide Arena. I miss going to the Arena District to hang out before going to a game. All that stuff is is part of why I want this season to be played you know, in Columbus at Nationwide Arena. But if they're going to have the season and then they say, oh, yes, but limited capacity or no capacity and you're not, you know, and we're still dealing with this crap, I hope we're not by December. But if we are, then, yeah, then I don't mind as much as they go play in a bubble because then at least I want to see the team play and I want to make sure the season's happening. Um, For what it's worth, they did have – I'm trying to remember who this was because it wasn't Bettman. It was one of the other Bill Daly. Bill Daly, Bill Daly. Bill Daly was asked about this and said, what do you think about playing in a bubble? And he said, that's that's not necessarily... Uh, he, he didn't seem very high on the idea. Uh, he said it's something that is a possibility, but they like to have people in the buildings and actually you know, have a regular season in home sites and, and, and go that route like normal. But I think it's undeniable that the bubble thing has worked as good as you could have hoped for it would be it would be silly for the NHL not to at least be considering that and saying, well, if nothing else, what could we do with a bubble in a regular season? But he brought up the point, too, you can't have the season that they're having. You can't have 31 teams going you know, 15 games a night, basically. There's no way you can do that in one or two cities. You're going to have to spread those games out. And they, he was saying this will lengthen our season even more if we try to play – you know, our full season and then do it in one bubble, that's just not going to work. So they're going to have to have more than one location and we'll find out. Hopefully it doesn't come to that, but it could. It's certainly yeah. something that's possible. And there's other things that fans love. Uh, right below that, one of the other questions was what, what about, you know, the Winter Classic, you know, the stadium series, the All Star game? Are, are those on the back burner right now until we get it mm-hmm. figured out? And he said, I don't know about back burner, but. I'd call them part of the parcel of the decisions that we need to make. We know yeah. what next season is going to look like and what form when we know what the format is going to be like. We'll uh, evolve and let those things play out. But not today's decision. How can you be thinking about those? You're thinking about how can we play a somewhat normal regular season. Of course. Yeah. Timmy, I saw something I thought... Would interest certainly all of our listeners, but especially you, because we know how much you love this guy. Saw a tweet from the official page for the Student Athlete Support Services Office at Ohio State, Sasso, right? 
Uh-huh. They, they just tweeted this out. It says, once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. Welcome back to Aaron Craft and best of luck in medical school. And there's a picture of Aaron Craft. It appears oh, with his my family. Uh, he's got the white coat on, and it shows him with a statement there talking about how he's excited to come back to Ohio State and start his next chapter. So wishing him all the best, but I thought you would be very interested to know that given <laughs> your love for Aaron Craft. You know, this was actually, this photo came out a couple of weeks ago. So uh, they're just, they're slightly behind at getting this graphic and this statement made because I know he started a couple of weeks ago and some fans are actually having a good time and a good chuckle over his jacket. At least some in my timeline were because I tweeted this out right away. Like I saw this picture go out on Aaron Kraft's personal Twitter account and I instantly retweeted it and let my fandom of old AC be known. And some guys are saying, man, what's with all the wrinkles on his doctor's jacket right there? And I'm like, hey, I think that's the least of his concerns right now as the young man goes on to his, uh, starts his journey through medical school to become a doctor. A few wrinkles on the old white jacket it's uh it's fine and, and people were then saying oh, it's kind of reminiscent of the the scrappy kind of player that he was he can have uh the jacket sort of be a little bit like his personality as a basketball player maybe i hope he's not too like rough or intense of a doctor though he should probably figure out the happy <laughs> balance you don't want him to come in and slap the linoleum before he comes in to give you like a heart exam no i don't think you do he's just gonna stab you with that scalpel that first incision it's gonna sting yeah. from from there yeah. on out, it's going to be smooth sailing. But boy, I'm going to stab it right in you at first. Yeah, you'd hope. You'd hope not. You'd hope that he's not going to try to like you know get a quick foul. You know, just to kind of set the tone as he walks into the office. But <laughs> you know, the other you don't, thing, yeah, you don't want the doctor that's nicknamed the bulldog, right? No, uh, no. the old bulldog's <laughs> going to be operating on you today. I will say, and it's partially because his cheeks always used to get so flushed. But I always thought he had such a baby face. You know, look to him, oh, and, yeah. and he was—he was, you know, in college when he played at Ohio State. Obviously, he was not very old, but still, like I always thought, he looked younger than most people, even throughout his career when you would see him playing. Sure, but now seeing him in the white coat, he suddenly went from looking like the age that I expected him to, or even a little younger than most people his age, to like now he looks suddenly like a 42-year-old doctor, like almost instantly by putting that coat on. It's so bizarre, like it. He's just got apparently like a face that ages with whatever the appropriate nature of the job he's doing. Like if he's in college, it. he yeah. looks like a very young college player. If he puts on a lab coat, suddenly he looks like a seasoned doctor. It's very interesting. Maybe he should go to Hollywood and like he could be a, one of those role characters that's on every movie just because he fits the role so well. You never know. The only missing piece is the stethoscope. I mean, you throw that stethoscope around your neck and... You've aged, I think, 20 years just by that one simple device being worn. Yeah, I think you're right. That's uh, that's about how it goes. So good for him. Glad he's back. And uh, good that you already saw this two weeks ago, apparently. Uh, sorry that I just <laughs> yeah, now got I'm, up I'm on to top it, of Aaron Kraft things. Don't, don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> We're not surprised by that. The Fan Guest Hotline is sponsored by Columbus Worthington Air and Bryant. Doing whatever it takes to keep your home comfortable. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Well, Timmy Hall filling in for Common Man today. Uh, Tim, we were just talking about this, and it looks like there could be a little more of a developing situation in the NBA. Um, Shams Karania had this tweet saying that the Bucks players, Milwaukee and Orlando, Game 5, supposed to be tipping off at 4. Bucks players did not come out of the locker room. Orlando apparently has now left the court as well, and Milwaukee and NBA personnel are standing outside of the Bucks locker room 
players apparently have been adamant about sitting out game five in protest. So we may actually see this happen. We were talking about, yeah, we were talking about the Raptors and the Celtics doing it. Now this says game five. This does not say we're never playing again. It's saying we may not play this game today and maybe we just postpone it for a day. Maybe we, I don't know. I don't know what the fallout would be from this. We've, we've, we, I, to my recollection, I don't recall us seeing players as a team collectively. We have seen players sit out of a league, you know, lot, like walking out and saying, we're not going to play. We don't like this collective bargaining agreement. We don't like something going on in the league. This is not that. This is them saying we don't like something going on outside of the sport. And our team and the other team are in agreement that we're not playing this game today. That is a, a very new situation. But it obviously looked like the Milwaukee players are the ones driving this and you can't blame them they are front the and center. lions took a day off of practice we should point out this they was did yes they something did that matt patricia brought up and i i think he was speaking and th- there was a group of players i didn't actually he- hear or see the video but i uh, i had an article up yesterday when they were doing that so detroit did that there's been uh, a lot of commentary from the nba players about this bone and you and i've been watching a lot of the league here in the last few days because the, the ball has been really really fun and uh, it, it would be a shame if if it had to go away. But I mean, who who could fa- who could fault them for reacting in their own ways with what's going on? I mean, you, well, you can't tell somebody how to react when something dramatic goes on. And just from the the ESPN article that I was reading more of from Tim Bontemps about the Raptors and Celtics discussing the boycott, he he makes it pretty clear that whether. Whether you know that was going to be a one-game boycott or just sitting out because it's just not where everyone's mental state is, and it's just they don't feel it's right to focus on basketball when there's other issues at hand. Uh, he wrote, whether the players ultimately choose to play or not, the latest in- incident has had a dramatic impact on the mood of everyone inside the yeah. bubble. So I, it's I, just I, a, a cloud over everybody's feelings right now. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't doubt that, and I don't, I don't. Feel I don't feel that these players are in the wrong at all for doing this. I I support the players in trying to make a stand and trying to have a message that says we've taken a knee. No one's listened. We we have put uh, you know slogans on our backs that they are playing every game. You can watch. You you can see. You know, I think Mike Conley's slogan that he had on his Jazz jersey yesterday was like "I am a man," and it makes you wonder like why does that even have to be said? That Mike Conley like but. But you understand it because Mike Conley is saying for people who look like me, depending on the interaction that they have with a police officer, they may end up dead because they got pulled over at a stop sign. Like that's that's not okay. And and that's a statement that we shouldn't have to yeah. make, but apparently and we do. And what I, I'm saying is when that's happening and those slogans are being put on jerseys and you then see after all of that and all the social movements that have happened in the last three or four months, and then you see what happened in Wisconsin between, again, an unarmed black man and a police officer – it makes you say nothing's changed. And I can understand why these players would say you feel like you have all the power in the world. They're multimillionaire athletes. They are people who have been successful at everything they've done as far as getting to the NBA. You are dealing with only successful people in the NBA. And then they look at a situation that they see that needs to change and they realize they're almost powerless. I think that's where this stems from for a lot of players and a lot of people in sports to say, we've been successful. When I want something, I go outwork the other person and I get it done. And there's nothing you can really do to outwork someone on this. You have to use what power you have to make some kind of a statement. So that's what's going on right now. And, and 
For people who are for years have looked down at LeBron James whenever he's spoken up about issues, they've looked down at other players who've spoken up about issues. This is a statement, man. This, I mean, I don't know how you can deny that these guys would all rather be out there playing right now. They would all rather be trying to win an NBA championship. But if they truly sit out, <laughs> I don't know how that can be a statement that's any bigger than that. That's that's I don't truly either. incredible. I, I can't. I, I mean, I can't even. I get exhausted, but I can't keep saying it loud enough. I. Who am I? You know, with what I look like in my background, to tell you how you should feel and when things. When things like this are continue to go on, I can just show empathy, and we we all need to just do a better job of understanding you yeah. know, what what the yeah. thought process is. And it's like you mentioned to see a guy as revered as Doc Rivers breaking down like that. He oh my gosh. to get through a press conference. What do you, what if, do you say if, to that? If you haven't watched that Doc Rivers video, I mean, the guy I was telling you this before the show, Tim. I have watched Doc Rivers play since I was a little kid, playing the NBA. And then I have watched him coach in the NBA for the better part of 20 years. He has won NBA titles. This is a man who by any measure of anything would be considered a success. And yet he looks at his own life and he looks at the lives of others that he sees that, you know, look like him and says, I don't feel like we're equal. And we and can't that, say we know what that's like. No, we, we can't. can't. We don't. Yeah, and I'm saying and that's a powerful, that. that is a powerful statement. And I encourage anyone to go watch that video because it is truly powerful. Common Man and T-Bone Weekend. Big stuff to talk about today, Bids, but it probably is no surprise. We're going to start off talking about something we talked about a lot yesterday because it was a pretty historic day yesterday to see the NBA just completely wipe out a full slate of games due to the players uh, stepping away and not playing. I've seen people call it a boycott, but boycott feels like a weird word. That's That's something that consumers do. I don't know if strike is the right word. I don't know if like sit down or whatever you want to call it, but they purposefully said we're not going to play these games. And the Bucks started that by saying they would not play and theoretically would forfeit their game against the Magic. The Magic said, no, we're not going to take your forfeit. We will sit out too. And then every other team followed suit. So there's a little more update on that. But just initially, you weren't on the air yesterday. This is a pretty weird day in sports, right? I mean, you haven't seen anything like that. I would assume in your lifetime, because I certainly don't recall seeing it. No, uh, nothing like that. What's crazy about it, as weird as it was, it's kind of like it's 2020. It kind of just, you know, um, it, we see weird things all the time. It didn't even feel like as crazy as it was. Didn't even feel that that insane because of everything we've been dealing with in 2020. Um, and yeah, it was also interesting to kind of unpack all of the things that they went through. Like, you know, they ended up getting on the same page, but apparently. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks made this decision pretty late. We all know the Orlando Magic were already out there. The officials were already out there. The other teams have not been notified. So there was initially from reports, you know, off ESPN. I know Woj was talking about this and some of the other reporters were saying that some of the players were initially a little upset. Not that the Milwaukee Bucks had this mindset. They support that, but they were a little upset, Bone, that, um, there was no communication. They're also, they're supposed to be like all in on this. Whatever decision they make, the players, they want to be unified, which they are now. So they've gotten on the same page, but it was interesting to hear some of the background there that some of the players were a little perturbed that, um, you know, they were not, uh, you know, they were not really in the loop when the Bucks made their final decision, but something like that. It's so emotional. I'm sure that the Bucks themselves were debating up until the last moment. So, no games yesterday, no games today. Looks like they're going to play tomorrow. Some people will say, well, well, you know, what good did this do? But we're talking about it. We were talking, you know, talking about it yesterday. So, it's at least getting the conversation out there. I think there was some concern, Bone, from NBA fans. Like, could this, 
Could they just not play? That was a big topic of conversation I know this morning. And so it sounds like good news if you're worried about if the NBA is just not going to finish their season. No, they're going to finish their season. I mean, you had people like Jay Williams saying this morning that they should just not play. I'm thinking, come on. Hopefully they, uh, hopefully they're able to finish their season. They, they've come this far and it looks like they will. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have come to that conclusion. And it sounds like the meetings that went on yesterday between the Lakers, well, the Lakers and the Clippers, I guess both, the, the story last night was that they both voted to just end the season and then walked out. LeBron and, and some of the other players from those teams walked out of the room and said, we're done. We're just we're not playing. And so it sounds like today more players were able to kind of talk about that and say, well, look, can we do something where we still finish the season, but we are able to have more of a voice? And I, like you said, it may seem like, all right, well, what is this going to do? But, you know, I was listening to James and Bo this morning. And, you know, they were talking about this situation. I was listening to, you know, Rothman and Ice. They were talking about the situation. I mean, it's not just us on this station talking about it all across the country. This is now a topic of conversation, not just, wow, they didn't play. That's crazy. What was it that caused them not to play? And the answer is a brutal shooting at the hands of a police officer of an of what sounds like an unarmed black man. And then you had people walking in the streets killing people. After that, and the social unrest that goes along with all of those stories, I know that's not something we touch on a lot in sports, but when you have an entire league, and not just them, Major League Baseball teams didn't play yesterday, Major League Soccer shut down all their games, when you have this many people speaking out about something, sure, there's a part of me, and years ago, this is who I would have been. I would have been the guy that said, shut up and dribble, because that's... That's how I grew up. That's what I was taught. That's kind of how I, I lived. That's what people around me would have said about something like this. And we didn't have this issue go on, but there's been issues going on socially around sports for the last, ever since I've been alive, you know, and I'm sure Bill, you can, you can say the same thing on that. And at least for me, it, at one of the points here where we had to pause, and I would say probably for me, it was the Kaepernick incident, which happened to be oddly enough, four years ago yesterday, where I said, all right, what are we actually, what is motivating this guy to take such a stand where he is getting ripped to shreds? And that's where, as you start to understand issues and you start to listen a little bit more and not just have a knee-jerk reaction, I will admit my my thoughts and my opinions have changed over the years. And I guess that's that's something Mike and I always talk about. If you have the same opinion you had 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago on an issue... It's not a bad thing to pause momentarily and reflect on that. And yesterday allowed for a moment, if you're an NBA fan or if you're just a sports fan who kind of watches the NBA, you saw them shut their league down. It might be worth looking into what was it that caused them to shut their league down? And I, I think that's what yesterday led to to some degree. But the, the players will tell you that they don't want that to be it. They want there to be something more than that. And I think that's a, a realistic concern is to to find ways to make a difference that don't just involve not playing. So they will continue to play. And that's at least a good thing for NBA fans to see. But I'm sure you'll hear more about some of the underlying issues as we go forward in the NBA playoffs. Very well said. And I give Adam Silver a, a tremendous amount of credit. I mean, of all of the commissioners, he's, he seems like by far the best. And you never know. Does he agree with everything that's going on at, at all times? 
times that maybe he allows things to happen that he's not a huge fan of, but he has the players' backs. He wants to make sure there's great communication in the NBA. It's one of the things that we're mad about with college football right now is the lack of communication from the Big Ten. They don't have that in the NBA, and the players might be mad at something, but they don't feel like the commissioner is an adversary of them. They feel like he is on their side, and I think that helps a lot with this. The other thing that helps is basically, and you're right with LeBron, if LeBron didn't want to play, they're not playing. If LeBron wants to play, they're playing. I really think it comes down to that. Maybe I'm oversimplifying it, Bone. He's got the most to lose here because he has a chance to win the title. Now looks looks like the Lakers were, who was this team that came to the bubble? They didn't have Avery Bradley. Right. They, they just yeah. kind of looked out of sorts. Are the Blazers going to upset them? Now it looks like they're going to finish off the Blazers with ease, give them the gentleman's sweep 4-1. to one. LeBron could win a title, and he's also the most powerful voice in the league. So it sounds like LeBron today, maybe uh, if I had to guess, was one of the guys that said, okay, let's figure out how we can keep the spotlight on this, but still play. I Not would, ignore yeah. it like it didn't happen, but you know what I mean? I, I'm sure LeBron was, was one of the big leaders today to, to make sure that the season continued, because you're right, last night he was thinking maybe, you know, okay, yeah, even though I have the, the most to lose here, maybe it's time just to call off the season, and I'm glad cooler heads prevailed, because I think if they just called off the season, they could keep the spotlight on it to a certain degree. Playing, I would think, it's hard, it's impossible for me to put myself in their shoes, actually, you know, the African-American uh, NBA players, but, you know, I would imagine that you could keep the spotlight on it more if you were playing. I mean, right yeah. now, I mean, their uniforms yeah. are decked out with certain slogans, they can put what they want on there, and maybe they'll, they'll amp that up, whatever the players want to do, and that's why I think Silver is such a good commissioner. He's going to make sure his players, you know, feel like they have a voice and they're not, you know, constrained of, of what they can do. So, but yeah, I, I think LeBron's a big part of this, and, and, and we'll see what happens. More stupidity awaits you. Well, that's all the information I need. Common Man and T-Bone Weekend returns on the other side of the break. The Fan, Ohio Sports, Destin. Tim, you brought this story up to me earlier this morning, and... uh <laughs> Joe Judge is not getting talked about enough in the NFL. The new head coach of the Giants, when he got hired, there was a lot said about him being a special teams coordinator, but not a offensive or defensive coordinator in his tenure. He was a wide receivers coach for the Patriots. He got promoted to head coach of the New York football Giants. And so far, Tim, he has had quite the run and he is, he is making people scratch their heads with some of the things he's implementing as the new head coach. Yeah, so he uh, he's a crazy person, right? And he's 38 years old. He's got the New England Patriots pedigree, so who the heck knows how much uh, of this stuff is Belichickian that's rubbing off on him. It, it doesn't sound like it, though, because we, we don't know Bill Belichick to do crazy stuff like this when you're doing the college type of stuff. So uh, the latest thing is he wants Daniel Jones to now face, quote-unquote, uh, or I guess the proverbial live bullets. He wants him to take the red jersey off. And Daniel Jones, their star quarterback, I wouldn't call him a star yet, but their franchise quarterback, their hopes to be one going into the future, to have him with no preseason games, he wants to just sort of ruffle the feathers a little bit and get him get him more ready for the season? I, I don't know, Bone. This seems legitimately crazy to me that you would do this with your quarterback during these times. I cannot fathom it, but it's exactly what Joe Judge is doing. It's the kind of guy he is. Run some laps, have assistant coaches running laps. Uh, this guy's nuts, man. Don't you agree? Yeah, here, here's a quote that he had. He said, with quarterbacks, you want to be calculated with how you start banging them around. So not like we don't want our quarterbacks to hit, get hit. We just want to... We just want to make sure they get hit somewhat before the games, the real live bullets start. And then he said, 
I don't think we're going to throw him into any Royal Rumbles or anything like that, but at some point we'll pop his pads a little bit in a controlled environment. Maybe that's what, with a young guy who understands kind of hitting him a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, pop the pads. Pop the pads on anyone else. Your quarterback is quite the investment and not him. Well, I look, man, I don't know if, if Daniel Jones ends up being the guy or not. What I know is that's their plan right now. So why would you knowingly take your plan and say, let's put our plan in a situation that has no merit other than downside? It only has downside. Let's do that to him and risk injury, but not gain anything from it. What do you gain by him getting hit in practice? You He's he's been hit in his career. He's been hit plenty playing for the Giants. He's going to get hit again. He's not unfamiliar with getting hit as a football player. I don't know why you think you have to do that in practice. That's why they have the red jersey, as you mentioned. I mean, it's this is ludicrous. This guy is just he, yeah. stupid. He said, I'm not in a hurry to go ahead and just beat the hell out of him, adding on to that Royal Rumble comment, but at some point we'll prepare his body for what he may take in the first game. You're not going to beat him up enough, though, to even simulate what it might be like in a real game. Like, you've got to save the, the way that those defensive ends come after you now in the NFL, their speed and their fury. You know, you better have good offensive tackles or else you're not even going to be able to compete in this league anymore. And you better save your QB for those 16 times where he might get obliterated by some of the best athletes in the world that play the defensive end position in the NFL. Well, that's just it. Like I, I would tend to think, is that really indicating that you have a very good idea of what you're doing as a football team? If one of your primary objectives in training camp is to make sure your quarterback gets smacked around because you know, he's going to get smacked around when the games start. Like yeah, that might so indicate that you then. Well, I know, but I'm saying like his part of his preparation for the season is, well, I know my quarterback's going to get hit, so I better get him prepared for it. Not, we better make sure we can protect our quarterback at all costs. Like, we got to figure out ways to do that. He's pretty much admitting like, yeah, we know we can't do that. So he's just going to have to get used to getting hit and bouncing back up. So we better get him used to it in in practice. I just, here's the thought. I don't, don't understand. Here's the thought. Why don't you bring in some CFL or practice squad quarterbacks and have them face live bullets? That way you can have serious, real competition between your tackles and the defensive ends. And they don't have to worry about, you know, pulling up when they get around the edge or when they have a full head of steam coming towards the quarterback. Get some, get some QBs that might want a resurgence in their career and they understand, well, this is it for me. I don't get the pleasure of a red jersey because I'm not the starting quarterback of an NFL team. I've got to earn my way back in. Get some of those guys. That way, like you said, you can have real competition and see what your tackles are doing if they're able to stop some of the stud defensive ends that you have on the other side of the football. How about that? Yeah, yeah, and then him having the coaches run whenever they make a mistake. <laughs> I mean, come but on. They talk about this, his guy. football? I've read come a few on. articles where they're like, well, you know, he is just Joe Judge. He is just an old-school kind of guy. <laughs> Joe Judge is 38 years old. Like, what are we talking about? Old school. This guy he is not old school. He is he is my age, for crying out loud. I don't think I'm old school. I'm, I would be like the antithesis to old school guy when it comes to football. I can't imagine. How embarrassing. Uh, Telling another man, you know, possibly older guys, right? 
that are what are you, yeah you're gonna assistant tell assistant coaches professional coaches in the National Football League and you're gonna what what kind of mistake would an assistant make in his mind that is worthy of taking a lap I mean you're all out, you're out there practicing trying to <laughs> you know work you're trying to work to get better in advance of the season what would what would be the thing that you slip up on where it's like get out of well, here is it? take a lap <laughs> maybe no water either. I'm pretty sure Jason Garrett's their offensive coordinator, is he not? Like you're going to go up to an Jason Garrett, yeah, who's been a head right. coach. Jason Garrett has been a head coach in this league. You can he's argue really, about he's how the effective. One that's running. <laughs> he's got a resume that runs laps around Joe Judge, and Joe Judge can walk up to him and say, "Hey, uh, Jason, around my field, you didn't you didn't do that well. I need you to go run laps." I, I, if I'm Jason Garrett, I throw the headset in his face and say, "You can find someone else to coach your offense there, Mister Special Teams Coordinator." Like, good luck with all that. I'm out. Like. You don't tell if I'm Jason Garrett, you cannot tell me to run laps. That is a joke. What an absolute joke this guy is. Now, I don't have I know that some people would say, Well, yeah, you gotta wait to see how the results are. No, I don't. Because I have good I, I can break this news ahead of time. He will be, Joe Judge, will be an immense failure as a head coach in Jason this league. Garrett will be the head coach in two years of the yeah, New York Giants. That's, right. that's how this that's story exactly goes. Exactly how that's gonna go. <laughs> Joe Judge is going to be a tremendous failure in this league. And I don't have any problem saying that because if you thought Freddie Kitchens was out of his depth, Freddie Kitchens had at least coordinated a few games in the NFL before he got the job. You're putting Joe Judge in charge, a guy who can't understand that you probably shouldn't make coaches do laps, and you probably shouldn't have your quarterback get hit during practice. They're putting him in charge in the biggest media market in the country. Okay, that's not going to go well. That guy is going to lose his mind a dozen times and be completely out of his depth. They will eat him alive, the New York media. That guy is completely unfit for the job. So, yeah, let's let's all just, if the NFL season happens and it happens where they play 16 games, let's all just prepare for Joe Judge to get fired probably within 15 of those games. Like I, That would be my guess. I would be shocked if he lasts a full season, let alone if he is here for two or three years. What an Man. idiot. Putting someone on the bar with Freddie Kitchens, too. That just seems mean at this point, how that happened with Freddie. Yeah. Well, you know what Freddie Kitchens he was, under was smart Belichick, enough, right? You know what yeah. Freddie Kitchens was smart enough to do? Not have coaches running laps. I would have loved to have seen Bob Wiley have to run laps. That would have, remember him? Set Hut oh, guy? Oh, with the gut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the moving that? gut. I would have loved to see him try to run. A, what are you doing, Joe Judge? You idiot. Absolute dope. Not dumb enough yet? Oh, no. Good news. Good news. More Common Man and T-Bone weekends coming up next. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. So this story is uh, certainly we know it's not going to go away for a while, but there's a new twist in the Big Ten not having a season saga. And the latest is that I believe it's, well, there's a number of Nebraska football players, Dave, that are filing a lawsuit against the Big Ten. Let's tell the people about it. Yeah, so specifically, Bone, eight Nebraska football players have filed a lawsuit, and they don't want money. They they want answers. They want the football season reinstated is the main thing. Short of that, they want answers. They want transparency. They want to know exactly who voted for what. The problem is there wasn't really a, an official vote. Um, 
Minnesota's president, uh, you know, threw water on that. You know, they came out and said that there actually was not a vote, which backed up what Penn State's AD said and other, you know, unnamed ADs and presidents had indicated. So, uh, but they're, they filed this lawsuit today. The Big Ten has already responded, Bone, and, and I don't know, maybe the, since we've been on there, maybe the last 20 minutes, Big Ten is saying, quote, there is no merit to this lawsuit. The statement's longer than that. They didn't just release like a, <laughs> a, a terse oh, one line statement. Yeah, they gave no more merit. details. Like, yeah, in this, yeah, they gave more yeah. details in this than they did any of the time previously. That's encouraging. Right. Yes, maybe they're learning. Kevin Warren. That's right. Kevin Warren was not the one releasing the statement, so it actually had like you know some actual information in it. It wasn't just regurgitation of what he had said previously. Now, something like this is it going to work? I don't think so, but it doesn't hurt. I think if you're holding on any hope for a season, meaning a fall season for the Big Ten, keeping the heat on is the best way to do it. I do feel like um, they're not going to change their minds. I hope I'm wrong because even if they feel like they made the wrong decision, Bone, um, and I don't know if they feel like that, but let's say they feel like there's been, because of the medical technology, the medical science of the last few weeks that uh, and the numbers going the right way. I know here in Franklin County we've gone from a level three emergency now down to a level two. My kids will be going back to school at least in a hybrid sense, instead of doing the e-learning, so we're moving the right way. Um, I think even if that they believe that they made a mistake on August 11th, they jumped the gun, and they feel like there's be a, a way to get the season in, and they feel like the other Power 5 conferences other than the Pac-12 are going to play, I still don't think that they would swallow their pride bone and admit they made a mistake and go back on it. But go Huskers. I like that they're fighting the good fight here. I don't think it's going to work, but I, I applaud what Nebraska is doing. I, I find that lawsuit very interesting because you're right. They're not seeking money. They they literally say in the lawsuit, we are seeking um, whatever the legal term would be for reversing all this and giving us football. Like it, I forget what they say, like a, a redress of grievances or something like that, but basically saying, yeah, reverse your decision and let us play football. And I, I do think as as much as I support wanting to have football you know, in an ideal world, the problem is I see for these players from a legal standpoint, again, not a lawyer, that they're coming at it saying, you're breaking our contract. And I would believe the judge would say, well, what contract is that? And I don't know what the answer is there because they do play football voluntarily. This is one of the, the frustrating parts of all the times where like people like me have been saying, I wish the players could organize. I wish there was some group that would get a seat at the table when these coaches and ADs and power brokers in college football get to make all these decisions. The vast majority of the people in college football have no say in it. And that's where I've thought for years, Northwestern players wanting to unionize some of the other discussions. If that had happened, there wouldn't probably have been a situation like this because something would have had to been done to address all players across all conferences and not just one conference saying we can't play another conference saying we can play. And that's where it's, we can't undo that now, but I hope that this leads to the parents that have, you know, led this charge and some of these players filing this lawsuit. Good. I hope that organizational desire can be maintained beyond whatever happens this fall with this football season. Yeah. And, What's happening in college football, Bone, reminds me a lot of boxing and, and where, you know, why boxing really fell apart there. It's coming back a little bit. I love boxing, full disclosure, but the biggest problem with boxing is there's not one governing body. That's why I think UFC does a great job. You know, Dana White might be a, a jerk, but man, he's a great businessman and, and it's like there is one governing body. That's how it works. With boxing, you got like, 
50 different like you know <laughs> championship belts and everything. There needs to be one governing body. College football, same deal. There should be like a czar of college football, a commissioner of college football, not the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert, a very feckless leader, terrible leader, has no power. So now you have the Power Five conferences just doing whatever they want. Um, there needs to be some unity, to your point. The players, the conferences themselves, they should all be making this decision together. There shouldn't be 40% of the Power 5 conferences not playing, the other 60% playing. It is the craziest thing I've ever seen, even for 2020 standards. Yeah. And I keep coming back to this bone. If they are able to play, those other three conferences are able to play and finish their seasons and crown a national champion, and Ohio State and the rest of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 sitting at home watching Alabama and Clemson play, and the Buckeyes are sitting there just watching it, and they were told they can't play because of coronavirus concerns, and the season goes off, I don't want to say without a hitch, there's probably going to be things that happen like we're seeing in Major League Baseball, but I bet you they will forge ahead in conferences like the SEC. And if that happens and they finish their season, saying the Big Ten has egg on its face would be a vast understatement. It's going to be the biggest blunder in sports history, and I can't even think of a close second. Yeah, I understand that. I do think, though, like on the same token, like we talked about earlier, if LeBron and, and the Lakers weren't playing in the NBA you know, playoffs – that negates the finals to a large degree because one of the best teams isn't playing. I don't know how anyone could look at this championship if they get one in and say it's legitimate for Bama or Clemson or whoever were to win it because Ohio State, which you know is one of the best four teams in the country, didn't have a shot to even play, let alone get into the into the playoffs. So that is the Big Ten's fault, but that's something that I think as we go forward, if this does actually happen – I can't see a way that that is ever looked at as legitimate by anyone outside of that school because it it shouldn't be. It it's it would be a ridiculous notion to think that you're actually the real champion when you haven't even played potentially the best team in the country. Common Man and T-Bone Weekend. This story too has some twists and turns. So Joe Mixon wants a, you know, he wants a deal, he wants a new contract, and I don't think that 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 a lot of people would blame him for wanting that contract. But the last couple of days he has apparently mispracticed due to migraines and I can assure you that migraines would would absolutely keep someone off the practice field. It makes total sense that if that's the condition he's dealing with, that he would you know certainly not practice. There's no reason to. But there are some people starting to speculate that maybe it isn't really a migraine. It's one of those injuries that you can't totally prove, you can't totally disprove. And so that's leading to speculation that maybe this is contract-related. So, Bids, I ask you, what do you think is going on there? It's contract-related, if I had to bet my life. Um I, I, in fact, I, if, if we were betting money, I would bet a lot of money, which to me is like five bucks, um, that it's, it's contract related. Here's why. I don't even blame Joe Mixon if that's the case. For a running back who is a second round pick, entering the last year of his rookie deal, has no guarantees after this year. In fact, even his salary this year is not guaranteed, even though it's a pathetic salary for somebody of his value making just over a million dollars. But hey, we say just over a million dollars is a pathetic salary, but you have to consider what some other running backs are making. When you're ending the last year of your deal, you're making just over a million dollars, you're one of the elite running backs in the NFL, you have no security for the future. I think the Bengals need to get this done. Selfishly, as a Bengal fan, I want you know I want to uh, want to say I, I just want to say kind of you know shut up and tote the rock. Uh, but that's just not realistic, you know. And, and especially in today's NFL, you see it all the time. Ezekiel Elliott was able to get it done, um, and you know he was on his rookie year getting or his rookie contract getting paid a lot more than Joe Mixon's getting paid as a second round pick. So I would love from the Bengals standpoint for them just to say no, you got to play. And Joe Mixon just swallows his pride and goes out there and plays the last year of this rookie deal. But, 
man, if I am advising Joe Mixon on what to do, I, I don't tell him to lie about these migraines, although I'm sure he's trying to uh, avoid a fine. I just say, listen, I'm not going to play unless you guys pay me. The Bengals would have to pay him because, you know, it, it's the last year of his deal. You're going to have to pay him eventually anyway. You're going to throw Joe Burrow out there with, G, uh, you know, washed up Giovanni Bernard and some undrafted free agents as the running back. So I don't even fault Joe Mixon if what I think is happening is really happening, Bone. No, he's he's got something right now that is enviable for anyone in a contract negotiation, and that's leverage. You know, I mean, yeah, they could always decide to say, "All right, we're not going to we're not going to pay you, and you have to sit out." But would you really want to do that with a rookie quarterback? It would be it would be foolish to do so. Not that the Bengals aren't above foolishness, but I don't think they would be that. I don't think they would be that foolish. I, maybe I'll be. And their offensive wrong. line's terrible too. Yeah, yeah sorry to interrupt. You, yeah, their no, offensive line is give not good. Help. So yeah, you've got to give. I mean, they have the wide receivers. I, and that's another thing. You, leverage is the perfect word. I'll be surprised if something's not done. I will be, but yeah. the Bengals need to pay Joe Mixon. They can't go do anything crazy. So if he's asking for something like ridiculous, like to get paid more than Zeke Elliott, then forget it. Forget about yeah. everything I just said. But if it's a reasonable contract for someone with his value, they need to get that done. Yeah, I agree. More stupidity awaits you. Well, that's all the information I need. Common Man and T-Bone Weekend returns on the other side of the break. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. I just saw this um, from Sean Callahan, who is a publisher of Husker Online, one of the rivals' websites there. He just uh, tweeted this out. Big Ten attorney Andrew Luger argues that the, quote, harm would be incredible, end quote. If board of directors documents were made available to the public just because eight student athletes disagree with the decision. This is talking about the Nebraska lawsuit that was filed today where eight student athletes are saying they want to see the documents. They want all of this info to be released to the public and they are suing to get it released. He said the court is asking for something with quote, no precedent. Now bids again, we're not legal experts, but that term, the harm would be incredible. I'm sure is something that Lawyers say all the time, I'm sure he's arguing the merits that under any circumstance, Big Ten doesn't have to give up its private documents just because some people don't like something they did. But that phrase, harm would be incredible, is going to be used against the Big Ten for sure because that does not sound great when you say, if we tell people how we came to this conclusion, we would be incredibly harmed. That's not a, that's not a great look for the Big Ten, even though it might be the right legal argument to make. Usually lawyers parse their words better than that. The harm would be incredible, dot, 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 if we're transparent. Like, that is just a terrible look. Um, I don't think it's too much to ask, Bone, when 13 of the 14 Big Ten institutions are public universities, Northwestern being the exception to the rule. I don't think it's too much to ask to have some transparency here. Um, you know, when they're getting, you know, federal funds and, and all of this, uh, you know, state funds, um, taxpayer money, uh, I just don't see what the problem with transparency would be here. And, you know, I also take umbrage with the only eight players from Nebraska. I tell you what you're inviting when you make that statement. You, how about you want 105 Ohio State players to join them? How about if, you know, a bunch of players from around the Big Ten join them? Then you got a big problem on your hand. And maybe you have a leg to stand on legally. As he said, there's no precedent, but there's no precedent in your favor either. I mean, this would be the precedent. So it's not like you can say, well, you know, they don't have any precedent. You don't have any precedent. And I don't know if, you know, this is a valid lawsuit, if this would actually work, but I tell you what, man, I'm glad they're doing it. Um, it's interesting, too, because we talked about this before the show that, you know, I, and I know you and I think are a little different on this, but with Kevin Warren, I'm not as like, I know that I don't think he's done a good job managing this crisis, but I don't put the blame solely at his feet. I don't think you do either. 
but I, I just, I still think the presidents of these schools are the ones who probably deserve to be held accountable more even than Kevin Warren has been. Kevin Warren has botched the fallout from this and the PR from this in my mind. But the presidents of these schools, as I've heard I heard you say this morning on Morning Juice, if they wanted football, I think there would be football. And I think there's a lot more going on behind the scenes with the presidents of these universities that that probably isn't getting talked about because I don't think they are looking at it from just a football perspective. I think they're looking at it from their entire campus. And their number one bottom line, as much as we love football, the number one bottom line for these presidents is having students on their campus. And I think part of what scared them was the thought that they might have to admit to their paying customers, a.k.a. their students and those families, yeah, um, your kids are going to have to go home. Your kids, it's not safe to do anything. But we're going to have the football players on campus. They're going to get all these cool tests. They're going to get all these extra procedures. They're going to get all these extra benefits to help them stay healthy so they can go play football. But your student who's trying to get an, you know, I don't know, a sociology degree, we're not giving them that same level of care. I think that is something that the presidents didn't want to didn't want to have to breach. They didn't want to have to go there. And I think some of that is what's driven their decision. Not all of it, but some of it. Yeah, um, just to make my point clear on this, my stance clear on this, I, I do think both things are true. I hear people say, well, you know, if the Big Ten presidents wanted there to be Big Ten football, there would be Big Ten football. I agree with that. I also think if Kevin Warren wanted there to be Big Ten football, there would be Big Ten football. Here's why. It would take a... You know, a clear majority of presidents that would want football. And going into their final meeting, you know, Jeff Snook was the first to report this. I've sub- subsequently heard the exact same thing, that roughly four or five Big Ten presidents were in favor of playing football. Roughly four or five were not. The rest were in the middle. Kevin Warren was clear that he was against playing football. And he was able to get the guys that were on, and, and gals, that were uh, on the fence somehow on his side. They didn't even take an official vote, which that in itself could be a three-hour show why they didn't take an official vote on the most important uh, decision in Big Ten history. Let's just not take an official vote. But here's why I give Warren the most blame, because, yeah, if the presidents would have came in and said, we're unanimous here or close to it, we either want football or don't, he would have gone along with that. I agree with that. But he was basically the tiebreaker here, because he was able to get those presidents that were on the fence on his side. He was clear throughout the meeting and before that that he thought that they should postpone it it's really a cancellation this idea of playing it in the winter and spring is ridiculous to me um and he was kind of you know he was kind of the the one that directed the ship right into the iceberg um now it's sinking we'll see if they can save it i i, I don't think they will but uh hey the big 10 you know the the nebraska players the ohio state parents they're fighting the good fight we'll see if it works but i just wanted to, to make that clear that's i think both are, are to blame or if you think they're doing the right thing both are doing the right thing i tend to think they're doing the wrong things so i think they're both to blame the presidents and kevin warren but i give kevin warren the most blame here yeah that, I, I and i understand that and i think part of that is what comes with the job when you're the big 10 commissioner like you are it just like Roger Goodell takes the blame for things the NFL does when the reality is there are 32 owners who make those decisions and then Roger Goodell has say Roger Goodell can you know if all of the owners are dead set on you know driving the NFL off a cliff he can say hey guys i'm just going to try to apply the brakes here and steer the car away from the cliff here's why and give them some good insight so to your point Kevin Warren you would think would have in theory in the office some of that power my question is, and I don't know the answer to this, is how much power does he have with those presidents? How much pre- how much power did Jim Delaney have with those presidents? Like, 
Jim Delaney being in that office for so many years, making them so much money, everyone enjoying most of the decisions he made, and some of those presidents being in that room in specific because Jim Delaney was the guy who said, come on in, Nebraska, come on in, Rutgers, Maryland. Like Some of those presidents directly worked with him to be in the Big Ten. Were they going to undercut him? And is that different than maybe what Kevin Warren has? I don't know. These... These are the questions that I would like to to have more answers to, which is why I support all the players wanting to get more info on this. Um, but at the end of the day, I still look at it with, with this sense for me that I think these presidents are looking at things bigger than football. And I truly think the SEC and the ACC's answer to those questions about, well, why don't all of our students get all this extra stuff? The SEC and ACC are saying they don't need it. It's fine. Come on down. Like they're they're just ready to be open for business. <laughs> and you've seen how that's gone at North Carolina and NC State, where they've now sent the students home. I think some of this comes down to the bottom line being the bottom line dollars. And they know that if they tell all their students, you can't come on campus, you can't be in our dorms, you can't buy our meal plans, you can't buy your books here. You can't pay us tuition, or at least you're not going to get the full tuition that you usually would get. You're not going to get the full experience. Some of those parents are going to say, yeah, we don't want that. We, my kid's not going there. We'll, we'll go somewhere else. We're not, we want to go to a school where the kids can be on campus. And I think they said in the Big Ten, that's the number one objective. I think down south, they said other things. I think they decided, well... We'll, we'll try to do all of it and see what happens. And it's, it's not going well so far, but maybe, maybe they'll be proven right. I don't, I don't know the answer. It's certainly to your point, bids. I think reasonable people can disagree on the outcome, even if we might agree on the underlying facts, right? Like, I think there is a way both people could say, I see all the facts you see, but I choose no, let's not play. Or yes, we should try to play. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know what's going to be the result of this. Like, I'm railing hard against Kevin Warren here. If, you know, if the other leagues are not able to play, he's going to look good. Now, I will say still, I think they jumped the gun on this. Even if the other leagues are not able to play, I think the Big Ten uh, should have waited, especially you have this massive schedule unveiling. Oh, my goodness, look at this schedule. By the way, that that uh, opener against Illinois uh, in Champaign is a week from tonight. Oh, wait a minute. No, it's not. You have this big schedule unveiling. There's really no new medical science that comes out in six days, six days later you cancel the season and i find this fascinating bone i know i'm sure you've read about this the medical report that the big 10 cited as its main reason for calling off the season um, due to covid concerns and myocarditis concerns turns out that was a flawed report uh, it's now been retracted. Uh, a University of Michigan doctor was the first to speak out against it and say this is a flawed report. So th- let me repeat that. The medical report that the Big Ten uses, its number one reason for canceling the season, has since been debunked. I mean, this is you just can't make this up. It's one 2020 thing after another. We're going to have high school football in the state of Ohio tomorrow. We're going to have high school football tomorrow, and we're not going to have Ohio State football this year. Yeah. It's just well, it's absolutely surreal, my man. Catch the live experience weekdays from 3 to 6 and listen on demand at 971thefan.com. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus.